Hello and welcome to part one of episode eight of A Thousand Hours. Yes, you heard me right, part one. We've finally done it. We've recorded an episode that's just so long, we literally cannot upload it all in one go. In this part, you'll hear about what Tamp Brown's been up to and how I've been getting on with Taunton. But you'll have to listen to part two to hear about Woodward's adventures in Germany, including the return of the editor save with all of us in it. But first, we've got a new intro including a message from someone I'm sure you all know. Hi, I'm Zeeland. Like, actually, this isn't AI or anything. And you're listening to the Thousand Hours Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Thousand Hours Podcast. And, well, what about that? For an intro, Zeeland, Zeeland himself doing the intro for He's the podcast. He's big and famous and everything. He is. I've, I feel incredibly honoured to be preceded by someone of such low status to us, obviously. <laughs> oh yeah, obviously, like, we know that we're better than Zealand because we make a podcast and yeah. he doesn't. He was flying back going, wow, I can't believe I was just on the Thousand Hours podcast. <laughs> this is truly the pinnacle for me. Absolutely. Uh, so, I'll, I'll explain that one. I might as well. Um, so... If you are, I, I assume people listening to this are aware of Zealand Shannon, football manager, content creator, as he is arguably the biggest FM content creator on the planet. If you're not, he's an FM content creator. We definitely got a mention on the pod before because we're talking about how he is also doing a save with Taunton Town, who are the team that I'm doing a save with. I'm Alex Towles, by the way. Woodward's here. Bonjour. And Tam Brown is here too. To be honest, I thought you were just leaving me completely out of that. <laughs> no, don't worry. I'm just I'm bringing everyone in. It's all right. Um, so yeah, Zealand's doing Taunton as I'm doing Taunton, and Zealand because he's a big football manager, YouTuber, and Twitch streamer with lots of money, flew over from America to watch Taunton play. I live near Taunton, which is my reason for doing a Taunton save, and I was there when he was doing when when he came to watch Taunton play. Uh, we lost to Weymouth, which was not very fun, but it happened. Um, oh, those showbiz nights. I know, right? But, yeah, basically, while we were there, I grabbed him after the game, and I was like, hey, Zealand, can you record an intro for my podcast? And he said yes. And that's why that's why it also sounds like rubbish, because I recorded it on my phone from the Taunton ground. My question to you is the fact that since you turned up, did you mm-hmm. get to meet our Lord and Saviour, Nick Makuti? I've met Nick. I, I haven't, like, directly met Nick Makuti. I haven't chatted to him, but I have, like, met a few of the Taunton players because I, I don't. I, I'm not just, like, a match going fan at Taunton. I help out with the media stuff. So that's why, I, that's why I was able to get Zealand in a quiet corner from, like, the back end, like, after the game happened. I didn't just wait for everyone else to leave. That would have been a bit weird. I, I do actually like do some work for Taunton, um, oh, so so yeah, I, I I was able to grab Zealand after the game, and also if you go and watch um watch his video about the Taunton match that you went to watch, if you see like any zoomed out clips that look like they were recorded on a rubbish shaky camera, that was done by me. I I was the man behind the camera. And how many millions did he pay you to do that part of work? Nothing. Nothing millions. He gave, he gave us an intro. He, gave us, he, gave he us paid an intro. me in one intro. Hey, that's... 
That's more than you can get on Fiverr, so I'll take that. <laughs> well, uh, you're listening to the Thousand Hours podcast, the podcast where, at the moment, it seems like tradition that we gather together on a sunny Sunday evening, shut our bedroom curtains and bedroom windows, and hide I have in done our bedrooms neither of these and things. talk about Football Manager. Was I meant to do what? Was I meant to do any of this? Well, I mean, you are in your bedroom, which is the gist of it. Yeah, but windows open, curtains open. Yeah. I'm going to immediately date this podcast recording by saying that it is the bank holiday weekend. It's bank holiday Sunday. In all fairness, it doesn't date it that much because we've had three of them. It will do, because by the time that this episode comes out, it'll probably be the end of June. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, fair enough. That's fair enough. I've got a fun episode of Going Deutsch to get through. Anyway, shall we actually get into talking about some football manager? Let's do it. It's tradition that Tamp Brown goes first, and I think we should stick with that, given that he's got by far the most to talk about. How much have you played since the last time we recorded? Um, I am in my ninth season, right? Nine seasons! Yeah. And Nine! Yeah, but the thing is, the listeners won't understand, because obviously we've talked about it on our private group chat as to what I'm doing. Uh, I've decided to take a break again from Tadcaster Albion and I have done something that I said I would do at the start of the year and I took over uh, FC Verduz in Liechtenstein who play in the Swiss second tier but also to add a bit of you know spice I decided to do a dual save which Alex Woodward hates me for because I've also chosen to do an international team and that international team was Liechtenstein and the thought process was not just sort of sadomasochism uh, in football manager terms, but also to improve the does to a standard where they're producing such good Lichtensteiner players that the Lichtenstein team then improves as well. Okay, and that was the aim of the save. And the, the brute aim is to first and foremost win the Champions League with the does and also win the Euros or the World Cup with Lichtenstein. Can I just say something before you had before? It's noble name. Well, screw you. I edit this, but <laughs> I, I will say I was recently reminded that I a couple of months ago wrote an article all about international football, so I actually can't attack anyone for international football anymore. It was all about the German national team, and I am now referred to as the German equivalent of Dom Smith. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that's a niche Close reference. It, it, it's not that niche a reference. He won a national award. Oh yeah, no. Student but, writer of the year. But like, it's a niche reference if just some person listens to this podcast. Oh just yeah, a random I, person I mean, from yeah. Anywhere. Anyone listening to this podcast who isn't aware, Dom Smith is friend of the show and student football writer of the year hmm. in, in Britain, which is well done, Dom. You get the official uh, thousand hours congratulations. But yeah, we went to uni with him, and he was on our old. Uh, our old uni radio show. Mm. So, that's cool. Yeah. So, where was I? Oh, yeah. The the ultimate aim of, of this save is to win the Champions League with the Duz and to win the either the World Cup or the Euros with Liechtenstein. Um, You're absolutely going to do this before I do anything with Taunton, aren't you? It's taking a while. But, <laughs> to put it into perspective, what you really need to know about this save is about UEFA coefficients. And now that doesn't sound very sexy but trust me, it's kind of easy to work out. Um, so because of the way that the does is and Liechtenstein is, their teams play in the Swiss League, and to qualify for Europe, they have to win the Liechtenstein Cup. Um, 
and of FM there's only about five actual teams that are in the cup and quite a few second teams that are in the cup. So quite often you end up facing your reserve team in either a quarter or a semi-final, maybe even the final, to qualify for Europe. And that one spot is, that's it, that's it. No more expansion, you can't get any more teams into Europe apart from one. And what I didn't realise is that um, I can't qualify as a Swiss team which is very funny when I get onto it later in the podcast. But I'll take you over my first year in a very kind of quick whistle-stop tour. Um, as you can now hear me furiously cr- clicking through my, my seasons. So we started in what was the uh, Brack.ch Challenge League. So in there, you've got a few teams that have played in Europe before. Um, so there was FC Thun, who played in the, I think, the Champions League a few years back. And there's also FC Lausanne, uh, Neuchâtel, Zamax, and Aro as well. And the main point of this season was to, first and foremost, see how well we could do with the current team in the UEFA Conference League, which Verduz had qualified for the year before. Um, that ended um, pretty abruptly. We got past Derry City in our, in our first round that we, uh, we qualified for. Um, beating them 7-1 on aggregate, which was very pleasing. Only to get drawn against Slavia Prague in the next game, where you'd think we would um, we would be able to kind of maybe get through. Um, we, we just won the first leg after be- beating them 4-2 at home, should I say, with a grand crowd of a, a thousand. So a thousand hours, a thousand people coming up to watch FC Verduz. It's all very circular at the moment. Um, only to go away to Prague and lose 6-0, which, um, which ended our hopes at the, uh, the third qualifying round of the, of the UEFA Conference League. But not to be deterred, uh, we carried on very well into the league. Um, and I, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do every season by how well we did in Europe, how well we did in the Cup, and then how well we did in the league. So... The first round that the, our first team gets drawn into is the quarter-final, but our second team gets drawn into the first round. We drew our second team in the quarter-final, beating them comfortably 4-1, before going on to play uh, two of the um, normal... I say normal sides. <laughs> this isn't a very normal place to, to play football. We beat Sean uh, 9-0 in the semi-final, and then we beat Eshen Maurin 4-1, in the final, thus qualifying us for UEFA Conference League football, and to give you a a, a taste of how dominant we are in the Active Cup, um, I think the last time that Verduz didn't win the uh, cup was in 2011-12, and before that it was 1996-97. So the expectation is to win the cup every time um, in the league however we uh, we won promotion in our in our first season which was really down to kind of about three players who we managed to sign at the start of the year um, first and foremost was Trey Coyle from FC Lausanne second was Malik Talabidi who was a free transfer and then we managed to get in Aurel Amenda from Young Boys who is a young Swiss centre-back 
um, who joined us on loan for the season. And then in, oh no, also, I forgot to add, we also managed to get uh, Isahaku Abdul Fatawu on loan from Sporting Lisbon. And uh, someone who is going to become quite a mainstay of this um, this, this save, um, Adriano Onyeg Bula from FC Basel. Now, it takes players five years to gain Liechtenstein nationality. And uh, I'm comfortable in telling you that Adriano Onyeg Bula got Liechtenstein nationality after five years after not playing a game for Germany. Um, so, doing pretty well in terms of the youth development in inverted uh, commas. But that meant in the 2023-24 season, we were in the Rifeshen Super League. Um, we managed to get into the, the top six before the league break. So if you don't know about Switzerland, every team plays each other three times. And then it, the league splits for the last five games. So you play everybody in your group once. So we made it into the championship group in our first season. Where we managed to get 73 points. And... Um, you know, qualify for a really prestigious competition in that second season. And I realise I've gone quite um, against the grain that I wanted to really go against, but that's because obviously we won the Active Cup, but from our previous season, we obviously qualified for the UEFA Conference League, where in a, we played in the first qualifying round against Silex Kratovo from Macedonia beat them got through we then played OFI Crete from Greece in the second round beat them got through we then drew Fenerbahce in the third qualifying round and here was me going off oh, a crying out loud not again um, we managed to draw 1-1 away from home which then took it back to our home ground for the foot for the uh, second leg where we managed to win 1-0 and sneak in to the playoffs where we would or sorry should I say the fourth qualifying round where we came up against Swiss side FC St Gallen who we finished above that season that I'm talk that I'm currently talking about and we beat them uh, 5-1 in the first leg and 4-3 in the second to qualify for the group stages. Now, in the group stage, this is the 23-24 season, so it's when UEFA moves to that full league table model. Which everyone play. is going to love. It's going to be great. Like, I'm going to tell wonderful. you now, everyone's going everyone's to hate it. It's genuinely horrible. So across that group campaign, we had to play Royal Antwerp, Leipzig... Trenchin, uh, oh no, wait a minute, no, no, sorry, this was the season before it transitioned, I do apologise. So we had a group of Royal Antwerp, RB Leipzig and Trenchin. We managed to beat both Royal Antwerp and Trenchin twice in the group, and then Leipzig uh, were the only team to beat us in that, in that group. But we came second in that group, which meant that we qualified for the knockout playoff round where we played Pauk Saloniki, who we managed to get past to get to the round of 16. At which point we draw Bromby. And after a boring nil-nil in the first leg, we, brought, we came home to Liechtenstein and managed to get a 1-0 win 
to take us into the quarterfinal of the Europa Conference League. This is where it all went a bit Pete Tong. Despite winning uh, 1-0 in the first leg against no, no, West Ham. No, 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 no. A bit what? A bit Pete Tong, a bit all wrong, you know. Okay, cool. We won, we Is won that the first time the... you've heard somebody say Pete Tong? Yeah, come on. Yeah. Oh, wow, right, that's... Okay. Yeah. Are we yeah. of a different generation, Tam Brown? I feel like Maybe I'm a young and maybe I'm just from the South. I feel yeah, a bit old. No, that's true. Old. It does feel but quite northern. But either or, we beat West Ham 1-0 in the first leg at home, only for them to destroy us 8-0 um, at the Olympic Stadium, which wasn't a fun night. But because of the way that the UEFA coefficients work and the season that we were then going into, the 24-25 season, which is when UEFA changes all their formats for the Champions League, Europa League and so on, and because we're the only Liechtenstein team, we accumulated all the points for UEFA coefficient rather than them being spread across X amount of teams that are qualified for Europe. So for England, for example, if seven teams qualify for Europe, then the coefficient points are spread across those seven teams, depending on how well they do, right? Does that make sense? There's a really good um, online uh, resource that you can go and have a look up if you really want to dive into this. But Send it to me, I'll put it in the description. We'll put it in the description. But because I was the only Liechtenstein team, I absorbed all the coefficient points, which meant that I qualified for the Champions League because my nation had the best coefficient score. Now, yes. <laughs> and this was when it turned over to be the, um, the the big, big league phase. But it meant that I didn't have to go through qualifying. The ne- um, and I feel as though I should talk about my, my ins and outs as well for Viduz as well. Uh, we managed to keep hold of... Oral Amenda, Isahaku Abdul Fataru, and Andriano Onyagbula, and Malik Talabidi for a good few seasons. Um, that's really important. I'm happy to document this all in a in a big kind of word piece if people really want to have a deep dive in. But in 23-24, we, we brought in a few more players, um, quite a lot of young players that had... Um, Swiss nationality who were sort of 15, 16 had come through the youth academies and I just brought them in and I thought right keep them in my youth team try and get them Liechtenstein nationalities they look really good on paper see if I can get them as Liechtenstein players which I did manage to do okay just so just so you all know Uh, so and I'm not going to mention any of these guys because there was a hell of a lot of players that came through the door but the, the standout ones are Stanley Labuthi and Nathaniel Mazra, who are new gen players. I know Miles hates it when people say regens because he always he always knocks it on the door going, no, new gens, new gens. Um, but at the end of the season, we sold Trey Coyle to Crystal Palace for £8 million. Pounds, um, an offer we couldn't really refuse. But because we got into the Champions League, we were then allowed to sign players who we had no right signing because of our enhanced reputation. Now there was this, we managed to bring in Oral Amenda and Isahaku Abdul Fatawu um, on permanent deals. This cost us around about 25 million, but with that Champions League money flowing through, oh yeah baby, bring it in. 
Now, there was a young lad who was released from Bayern, who I managed to sign. Does anybody want to guess who it was? He was released on a free transfer. Jean Vita up. No. Well, I'm going to guess, just because you're asking, but it's one of the players I've signed. So, Avijan Ibrahimovic, Paul Wanner, oh, wait. or... Yeah. Can I go back to Ibrahimovic? That was my second guess. Okay. Sorry. It, it was Paul Wanner. <laughs> oh, Paul, Paul Wanner <laughs> came to Liechtenstein. How is... Gets weirder. Gets how, weirder. Like, Bayern are not that bad in my save. How did they release Paul Wanner? I don't know. He was on a free. I took him. Jesus. Like, I couldn't um, get. I could only get him on a loan. But the best best thing about 2024 is that Endrick signs for Real Madrid. And now, because I didn't have the Brazilian leagues turned on, Endrick's obviously not played any football, so hasn't developed past his starting current ability. Obviously, so I managed to get him in on loan. You can tell this is already going very weirdly. And my youth players are starting to develop. I even managed to sign a few players who were Swiss but had Liechtenstein other nationality. And I was in basically in their DMs all the time begging for them to, to join the Liechtenstein national team. Either or. So the year is 2024-25. And this is when I learned the harshest of lessons in the league. And it's that no matter what you do, first and foremost, young boys are inevitable. But because I was leading the league for a long amount of time, I realised that I can't win the league. And I can't qualify for any European competition as a Swiss team. So I can finish top by whatever and not win the league. That will always go to a Swiss team. So Jesus. I never get any reputation boost from winning the league. I only get reputation boost from how well I do in Europe. Um, and I'm going to take you through the leagues uh, a bit a bit quicker and over the course of a few years, because this now has become not important, right? So 24-25, we finished second with 90 points, four points behind young boys. And this is the season I realised that it was impossible when we finished with 86 points winning, in inverted commas, the league, ahead of Young Boys by two points. We then go on to finish top for the next five seasons up until 2030-2031 and get no praise from it through the FM algorithm whatsoever, no reputation boosts whatsoever. Thank you very much. But by now, my players who I brought in with either... Liechtenstein other nationality or I brought in to bring through for Liechtenstein have got Liechtenstein nationality so how did we do in the Champions League for the first time well it wasn't a pretty ordeal we pulled out probably the worst draw you could think of it just got progressively worse for us as the campaign went on so we started off with Carabag right you think okay right brilliant and then it went Marseille Man City Sevilla Aberdeen Rennes Bayern Napoli so <laughs> it, it's it's the, it's the Ralph Wigan meme of I'm in danger um which was very yeah well done that's another reference to that 
Uh, I think that's yeah. every episode. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I don't think you Sorry. even need to say it's the Ralph Wiggum meme anymore. You just need to insert standard meme here. And I'm in being danger. As you can imagine, we lost to Man City, Sevilla, Bayern, and Napoli. But we yeah. did manage to beat Aberdeen and Carabag. We also managed to get a draw with Marseille, which left, which is leaving you guys with my Ren uh, game. Now, we played them just before we played Bayern, and because we managed to beat Ren one nil we managed to qualify for the playoffs. So we actually managed to get through the Champions League that season. Not really because of us, I must say. Okay? Uh, but that's because the teams that were in the Champions League that were below us were Red Star Belgrade, Ludogorets, Razgrad, Karabag, Royal Antwerp, Slavia. Basically, all the little teams had managed to qualify for Europe that season, including Mines from Germany, somehow. Yeah, Ale- I know Alex is very... Oh, happy I know, I it. hate them now, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so we managed to finish 24th in our Champions League group, which meant that we got into the playoffs, where we played Ajax and got absolutely shafted 10-0 over aggregate. So, obviously didn't really work that well. The next, and obviously we keep winning the active cup. Now our dominance is definitely cemented. We've won it 57 times in the club's history. We've not lost it whilst I've been the manager. And as I've told you, we've won the Rifessen Super League every season out now. So it's only about how well we do in Europe. Okay? So we managed to get to the Europa Conference League again because obviously our coefficient wasn't enough to get us into the Champions League and our, our I say league in inverted commas our cup isn't priority enough and we don't have enough nation coefficient points to be qualifying for the Europa League so we get into the Europa Conference League and we qualify for the second um, qualifying round where we, fight, where we play Dunaska Streda I think that's the right name for it I do apologise if it isn't um, and then we play Nefci Baku on our way into the Conference League phase, where we get drawn Crystal Palace, Anderlecht, Maribor, Randers, Rosenborg, and Rheindorf Altak. And we win all the games. We win them all. We finish top of the league phase of the Conference League. And by now the side is really starting to develop. We pick out Lons in the round of 16 because we bypass... The, uh, the knockout round playoff and we beat them as well, 2-0 on aggregate we then, get, we then get Groningen in the quarterfinal where a 1-0 win from at home is enough to get us through after drawing 0-0 in Sweden only to face Real Betis who were probably the strongest side left in the competition and we managed to beat them on penalties to get through to the Conference League final. Where we played Crystal Palace again. And they were out for revenge from our win against them in the league phase of the competition. But did we buckle? 
No, we didn't. We won. We won. We won the conference. Get league. in. Let's go. Wait a minute, boys. Wait a minute. Which would normally qualify you for the Europa League. But, surprise, surprise, coefficient strikes again. And we've absorbed all the points. And we've now qualified for the Champions League because of how well our coefficient is compared to the rest of the leagues. Love to say it. <laughs> so it's Champions League 2, Electric Boogaloo. We get drawn into what I'd say is probably one of the worst Champions League phases that you could get. Tottenham, right. Sparta Prague, Olympiacos, Atletico Madrid, Nice, Red Star, Juventus, Bayern. We managed to get a 2-2 draw away at Tottenham on the first game. Brilliant. We managed to beat Slavi no, sorry, Sparta Prague 3-0 before we beat Olympiacos 5-0. That's, that's nice. That's nice. But then that's we nice. went and, but then we went and lost 5-1 to Atletico Madrid and 3-2 to Nice. And looking at our last games, you know, Juventus and Bayern we thought, okay, we need to get something against Red Star, which we did. We won 5-0 away from home in Belgrade, which meant that we had to go into the Juventus and Bayern games basically not losing, right? And we managed to draw them both 0-0, and that was because I did everything that is against my every sinew in my body, which wants me to play a one-centre-back formation... I played at five at the back. I played three defensive midfielders, and I played two central midfielders. I had no strikers. I just was not wanting to lose. Bloody hell! And we managed to finish in twenty second, twenty second, which was really good for us. The only problem with that was is obviously we have to go again into the knockout playoff round where we faced Bayer Leverkusen, who very quickly dismantled us six nil over two legs. <laughs> which meant our European dream was over again for another season on comes 27-28 where we again but because of our coefficient points and because of how well we've done over the past few years our status as a nation has risen from being at the bottom with San Marino and Andorra to being in that middling ground which meant that by winning the league we now get, I'm sorry, winning the cup, we now get a spot in the Europa League. So I don't have to qualify for the Conference League anymore. Big win. <laughs> I love you, baby. I'll miss you forever. You were my big competition that first one. We pull out what seems to be um, a yearly thing for us. West Ham United, Red Star Belgrade, Rosenborg, Lech Poznan, Tottenham Hotspur, Dinamo Zagreb, Austria Vienna... FC Michelin in the league phase where we again went undefeated only dropping points to West Ham United and Tottenham Hotspur so by now we've started to actually become quite a good side I reckon um, people join us to play in the Swiss League but don't realise that they're actually in Liechtenstein and I don't think I'm going to tell any of my players that apart from the ones <laughs> who have got Liechtenstein nationality but we managed to qualify in the top eight of the league phase, which meant we skipped the playoff round, and we drew FC Utrecht um, in our round of 16. And to be honest, I thought the dream was over. 
we lost 4-1 in the away leg, the first leg. Only to go and win 5-1 with a 98th minute winner from what is... The st from the star boy that is Endrick, who was still on loan with us. Endrick in total spent a total season, four seasons on loan with us. He almost when got did you first bring him in? I brought him in in, I think it was 2024 for that first Champions League season and this is season three of Endrick being with us. By this time our team had picked up quite a few unloved uh, players. So we had a team that included Wilfred Nonto, Endrick, Renier, Paul Wanner, and then people like Adriano Onyekbula, who had developed into a really, really good player. And because this was now the fifth season, Adriano, at the end of the season, would accept a Liechtenstein call-up to become the first superstar in my Liechtenstein team that I'd kidnapped. Decent, decent. But back to the person that really shone in our quarter-final against Lazio. He may have been 37, which is something that is unheard of for me. I normally ditch players at about 21. But when the opportunity to sign an ageing Neymar came up, I couldn't say no. <laughs> and Neymar propelled us to not only a 3-2 win in Rome in the first leg, but also a 4-3 win at home to send us through to the Europa League semi-final against group stage opponent Tottenham Hotspur. We did draw 1-1 at the Toilet Bowl, and I refuse to call it by its real name. It doesn't have a real name, it's just the Spurs Stadium. But when we got to the second game, which I'm pretty sure Tottenham would have been like, what are we doing here? This is like Newport County, but continent, you know, in sparkly letters. Um, we have a 7,000 capacity stadium with... Um, we would have 8,000, but we don't have enough room, and the board still won't let me expand the stadium and make it an all-seater stadium. Thanks, board. Thanks a lot. Um, where a first-minute penalty from Neymar was enough to get us through to the Europa League final. And when I tell you that we absolutely blank housed our way through, I mean, we scored that penalty and I immediately went ultra-defensive and went time-waste as often as possible. It was disgusting. It was horrendous. But after having dispatched Lazio, Roma came back to play us. We were having to play in Rome, okay, the Stadio Olimpico in Rome, against Roma as a neutral venue. Rainier opened the scoring in the second minute, and I was in dreamland when Endrick scored two minutes later to make it 2-0. Willy Nonto managed to put on a third for Neymar to complete the route in the 58th minute well, we won the Europa League final 4-0. I will take the applause later. Oh. I was just getting ready <laughs> right then. So obviously, as you know, we're still winning the league at this point. Our players are really developing quite well. And because we won the Europa League, it meant we qualified for the UEFA Super Cup, where we had to play 
FC Barcelona, who had won the previous season's Champions League. Safe to say we got humiliated 5-0. <laughs> Just when you but think the next fairy tale's coming, crash back down to earth. <laughs> That's the thing. It, we take like two steps forward and then someone comes again with a baseball bat and goes, "No, you can't hope." Bang! Dung. <laughs> Come on, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough game, lads. Against who we're we playing? From where? No, no, no. Lichtenstein. <laughs> oh no, we'll batter them. <laughs> well, if you thought that that was bringing us down to earth, no, our Champions League group uh, stage is what brought us back down to earth, where we had to play Inter, Real Madrid. Arsenal, Galatasaray, Porto, Liverpool, Marseille, and then we were given Stonegrats as a final group game. Uh, safe to say we were battered by Real Madrid, Arsenal, and Liverpool. But what got us through was a 5-3 win against Galatasaray, a 3-2 win against Porto, a 6-3 win against Marseille and a 6-1 win against Sturmgratz. But that got us only into the knockout playoff round. So we had to go through another round just to get to the round of 16. And they really tried to kill me because we had to play Bayern <laughs> in that playoff round. We lost 4-2 at the Allianz. Christopher Nkunku seemingly sealing the win with a 93rd minute fourth for Bayern. Only for a new signing to rear his head, a little wonder kid from Portugal by the name of Janini Oliveira, new gen player, who scored five for us to beat Bayern 5-2 Jesus. and reach the round of 16 for the Champions League. Can I just say, Bayern, Bayern had sacked everyone, hired them back, and then sacked them again, just so they could sack them <laughs> twice, because they were that angry. They were, they were playing a 37-year-old Sadio Mane at this point, which is probably... Of course they were. Did he punch everyone? Probably. Did he I punch you? No, I stayed away from you. I was great. <laughs> and Mane has gone into the stands! So, we drew Real Madrid, our group stage opponent, in our round of 16 uh, tie. Does anyone want to guess how it went? Uh, Either really, really well or really, really badly. I'm gonna... Yeah, I agree with Alex. There's no way this was like a middling nil-nil draw, one-nil defeat, mildly bad. Either you succeeded your wildest dreams or you got battered 6-0. 5-0 win or 9-nil loss. Both of you are kind of are kind of close with 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 the way it went. Um, we scored twice over the two legs, and Real Madrid scored ten. But you conceded seven. But we conceded ten. Um, ah! <laughs> knew it. <laughs> Back to the Europa League we go. Oh dear. But do you want to know something that was really interesting? By this mm. time, we had managed to get Liechtenstein, purely on our coefficients, to be the fifth best league in Europe by UEFA club coefficients. <laughs> Incredible. The only problem was, was that every time we did really well in a competition, it meant that the person or the team that came second in the active cup also qualified for Europe, 
and that then tanked our coefficient for the season. So from 26-27 to 28-29, which is where we're currently at, our coefficient read like this. 10.5, 28, 8.3, 28. So you can guess the seasons in which we're the only Liechtenstein team in the in Europe. So off we set again, the Europa League in our sights, drawing Lech Poznan, Red Bull Salzburg, Ayas Roma, Maccabi Haifa, Eintracht Frankfurt, Bromby, Nefci Baku, and Red Star Belgrade again in the Europa League league phase. We won all but one of them, losing at home to Eintracht Frankfurt, but it meant we qualified for the round of 16, where we played our old friends Sturm Graz, who we managed to get an 8-0 win on aggregate over. We then, we then come up against Red Bull Salzburg in the quarter-final, where a 4-2 win in the first leg gets us over the line after drawing 3-3 in Salzburg. We then play Leicester City in the semi-final. We draw 4-4 in the first leg, away from home at the King Power. And we managed to win 2-1 at home to again reach the Europa League final where we played Marseille. And after extra time and 120 minutes, Janini Oliveira got a 119th minute winner for us to win the Europa League again. Yes. I, I felt relief. I did. I felt relief. So I'll take you to the 2030-31 season. And the UEFA Super Cup beckoned again. Do you know? Do you want to guess who we had? Think big. Taunton Town. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the Champions League team that is Alex Towles, Taunton Town. I don't actually know uh, well, where not there yet. I was going to say, I don't know where you are at the moment, but, you know, if, if so... I was, it's for it later in the show. It would have been a headcanon for me. What um, about Heidenheim? That's my guess. It, it wasn't Heidenheim, but it was a German side. It was Bayern Munich again. Yeah. Uh, I think this was like the fifth time we'd played them. But to get Bayern in the Super Cup, I felt as though my dreams were over. Until we beat them 5-2 and won the Super Cup. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Um, Janini Oliveira, again, the star of the show alongside new signing Shaquille Martina and they still employed Christopher Nkunku and Julian Alvarez apparently how many times well, do they sack and hire him and sack everyone again because of how upset I don't know they've I gone into full crisis <laughs> they've hired Frank Schmidt and everything they just don't know what they're doing but obviously because of our Europa League win we managed to qualify for the Champions League and this is where I learned a very harsh lesson, that no matter how high up the coefficient table Liechtenstein goes, I can never automatically qualify for the Champions League. Big sad. So, in our Champions League league phase, we got Newcastle United, Inter, Galatasaray, Roma, AC Milan, so apparently we're playing all of Italy, Marseille, Athletic Bilbao, and FC Bayern again. We managed to beat Newcastle, Inter, Galatasaray, Roma. And then we drew to Milan, Marseille and Bilbao. Meaning that we needed a win against Bayern on the final group game 
to make the round of 16. Can I just say, they're going to be... They're going to feel about you like Dortmund feel about Bayern at this oh, point. Yeah. <laughs> There's no hope. We can never do anything. But the funniest part about um, this is because of the way I think I've loaded the leagues, there's been loads of new stadiums built. Okay, So the Super Cup was actually played at the Gary Lineker Arena, which doesn't have a team. Leicester don't play there. I don't know who plays there, but there is a Gary Lineker Well, it was clearly somewhere. built in Barcelona for a start, so let's get that Obviously. right. Obviously. So needing a win against Bayern, away at the Allianz on the final group game. We went 3-0 down. I was very unhappy. But over the past few seasons, I've neglected to mention that we've been bringing through a young striker. Not Janini Oliveira, no. Because we play a 3-5-2 system, which is very centralised. The lad's name is Lauren Klein. Now, he is an actually Lichtensteiner through-and-through player. He's not real, obviously. You know, you get to 2031 in VFM, the players aren't real anymore. And Lauren Klein managed to score three without reply. Only for Janini Oliveira to score another two in the last five minutes for us to beat Bayern 5-3 and qualify for the Champions League round of 16. Where do you know who we played? Do you know who we got drawn against? Tottenham. Bayern. Oh, just buying again. <laughs> just buying again. At this point, Uli Hernes has rage quit and deleted the club. We drew 3-3 at the Allianz. Um, and then we managed to sneak a 2-1 victory at home, thanks again to Janini Oliveira, which meant we got into the quarterfinals of the Champions League, the furthest we've ever been in the Champions League. Can I just say at this point, we need to give a... A small thought for the people who live in Bavaria because the whole whole region has been <laughs> flooded by Bayern Munich tears. Oh, yeah. If you support Bayern, I am your arch nemesis now. <laughs> but in the quarterfinal, we played another one of our group game uh, games against AC Milan, where we managed to get over a 2-0 deficit from the first leg to win 4-1 and go through to the Champions League semi-finals against <laughs> Manchester United. <laughs> oh my god. We drew Oh my god. We drew 1-1 in the first leg where a I think a 33-year-old Anthony or however old he would be in 2031 uh, scored after, before just before half time only for us to have half time and for Shaquille Martina our new signing that season to score immediately after half-time, which meant that our scoreline from the first leg read 1-1, Anthony 45, Shaquille Martina 45, which must really confuse people. <laughs> so we had to go away to Old Trafford. Bruno Fernandes opened the scoring, and we were staring uh, it in the face. We only took 307 away fans to... <laughs> To, to Manchester, so that just proves how uh, how our how our coefficient is broken, our nation rating is broken, our club reputation is probably also broken. But Lauren Klein managed to equalise in the seventy fifth minute, only for Endrick to score a ninety fifth minute winner. Fergie time got reversed, and we made the Champions League final. 
Oh my god. We're, 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 almo- we're almost up to date, by the way. I almost. almost. Nearly there. We played PSG in the Champions League final. Does anyone want to guess the scoreline? Can I ask? At this yeah. point in the save, half PSG won the Champions League. At this point in the save, PSG had not won the Champions League. <laughs> they definitely lose 3-0. <laughs> no, 1-0, 92nd minute winner. Right. At this point, PSG had lost to Liverpool in a Champions League final already. 5-2 to you. Yeah, we got smashed 6 0. Uh, <laughs> it was all building up to this fantastic finale. Um, you've got to rem- then PSG just went, nah. You've got to remember the rule of this save, which is Hopeth giveth, Hopeth cruelly taketh awayeth. Right. You've, that's too many earths on Yeah, but my, uh, in all fairness, <laughs> only. Surely that's overridden by the other rule of life, which is PSG take a for league title and get absolutely nothing back if in the Champions League. If. Maybe, maybe. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop it because that's when we get up to the current season, right? And we are in the Europa League. So I'm going to move to the Liechtenstein national team where we started the save in Nations League D, Group 1, and we only managed to pick up four points. One is this going to be... Wait, wait, before you carry on, is, is this going to be the first time we ever get to a full hour of the podcast just with one person? No. I think Alex managed to add an hour to something. Actually, yeah. We'll if, you, if you think about how long that Schalke game was in the last episode, or the episode before, yeah, yeah. that was quite long. Trust me, the Liechtenstein thing will be wrapped up in about 10 minutes. So, it's 10 minutes until it's been an hour, mate. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> so Nations League Group D, uh, we only picked up a win against Andorra and a draw against Latvia in 2022. So we didn't actually do anything. Euros qualifying, we didn't qualify. But then things started to turn around in 2024. And because our players were starting to mature and all our youth graduates were starting to come into the first team in Liechtenstein, and I was being criticised always by the media for, s- for selecting Vaduz players, but that's because they were the best ones to hand, we managed to win our Nations League group against Malta, San Marino and Latvia and get promoted into Nations League C. Big, big step. And that took us to World Cup qualification where we didn't qualify. Spain and the Czech Republic uh, edged us out, unfortunately. But then we go to Nations League C Group 3. This is now 2026, where we again won all our games and got promoted to Nations League B. So we are now officially a better team than Romania, Armenia, Cyprus kind of level. Which leads us to our Euros qualifying group where we got Slovenia, Switzerland, Latvia, and San Marino, and Denmark. A 1-1 draw in Slovenia, and a win against Switzerland, and a win against Latvia, made us doing quite well in that qualifying group. We then beat San Marino, Denmark, and Slovenia again, 
only to draw 4-4 with Switzerland, beat Latvia, draw with Denmark, and then batter San Marino 17-1 to qualify for the Euros. Decent. Our Euros didn't go well because we were drawn with England, Netherlands and Serbia and we went out pretty quickly with one point. (laughs) (laughs) But the most important part of 2028 was actually our Nations League B where we were drawn with Ukraine, the Czech Republic and Albania. We won four games out of six and drew one, losing the other. Which meant we got promoted to the Nations League A. The top division of the Nations League. Bring it on. But then also, we had World Cup qualifiers to contend with throughout 2029. With a group of Sweden, England, Latvia and Finland. And you know what we did? We only went and qualified for the World Cup. Bloody hell. I was going to say you lost every game because that felt like about the vibe, but... No. And we got drawn in the new expanded World Cup in Group O with Nigeria... Seems so wrong saying that. With Nigeria and Brazil. In Group O? In Group O. So we only had two group games. Brazil played Nigeria first and then we played Nigeria and then we played Brazil. That's how the, the tournament structure worked. Brazil beat Nigeria in the opening game of our group. And then we beat Nigeria, which knocked Nigeria out and put us through after one game. And we also yeah, beat Brazil. Yeah, this format Brazil. doesn't seem terrible. Oh, wow. And our former star, Endrick, scored twice, but Lauren Klein and Adriano Onyegbula, remember him, scored across them three times for us to beat Brazil and we went into the World Cup second round where we played drum roll South Africa I thought we'd be playing big teams we did beat South Africa 3-2 to move to the World Cup third round where we played Denmark who we also beat in qualifying and after extra time Liechtenstein met a very, very happy ending with Lauren Klein again scoring in the 119th minute for us to make it to the World Cup quarter final where we played Belgium. Now, by this time, Belgium's star generation has retired, and a 96th minute winner from Lauren Klein got us to a World Cup semi final. <laughs> against Italy we lost 2-1 but it meant that we had a World Cup third place playoff to contend with against the United States of America of course does anybody want to guess what happened Paxton Avinson scored 10 no uh, Weston McKenney scored twice well that seems unrealistic but Lauren Klein scored three. Liechtenstein finished third at the World Cup. Yes! Shall we just end the podcast here? Because none of us are topping that. Believe me, it gets better. Because oh, after oh, the wow. World Cup, we had to play our Nations League A games, where we were drawn against Italy, Spain and Switzerland. In before Liechtenstein win the Nations League. 
Well, we won every game in our group 1-0. <laughs> we finished top of our group and qualified for the Nations League semi-finals where we played the Netherlands. And we beat them 2-1. Liechtenstein were in the Nations League final against France in 2031. And whilst this is going on, our Euros qualifying group for 2032 we went unbeaten with an average score of 4-0 per game. We only conceded three times across the whole um, across the whole qualifying campaign. But at the Bobby Charlton Arena for the Nations League semi-final, Camavinga and Mbappe, for some reason in 2031, are still playing for France, got France off to what was the best start they could have dreamed of. Lauren Klein responded with two goals. Up steps the 86th minute and Kamavinga gives away a penalty. Lauren Klein dispatches it and Liechtenstein go on to win the UEFA Nations League. Oh my God. Oh, you right. I <laughs> mean, know. no I'm one can top to that. that. <laughs> we... And in our preparations for the World Cup, uh, sorry, not the World Cup, the UEFA Euros, where we have been drawn in a group against Wales, Germany and Slovenia, we have played two games. The first game was against the Netherlands, in which we beat them 4-3. And the second was against San Marino. Does anybody want to guess the scoreline? 22-1. 26-0. Both of you are close. It was 20-0. And that is by far Liechtenstein's biggest ever win on the international stage. So I have taken Liechtenstein from 203rd in the world rankings. Oh no, sorry, I think 207th to 20th in the world. We are a top 20 national side. And when it comes to the Euros, we're one of the favourites. I might complete the national team side before I complete the Champions League. <laughs> Can I ask? Well, actually, I don't know. I, I, I think you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna win the, win the Champions League next time you get in it. That sounds a thing. Maybe. Can I ask? But, yes. Who is the German national team manager in this? The, Ge the German national team manager. There is a reason. In twenty thirty. Who who do you want it to be? Oh wow, okay. Um Frank Smith, obviously. No, no it's not. Alex Towels, do you do you want to guess? Mikel Arteta. Um He is German. He is German. Oh he's a Nicholas Fulkrug. It's not Nicholas oh, Fulkrug. No, he wants to be head of youth development after he retires. Is it Per Metzaker? It's not Per Metzaker. It's Ozil. Daniel Fark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, better. fantastic. Marco Royce is his assistant manager. Of course oh, he is. Oh, my word. The reason I ask that is just because I can imagine, okay, Daniel Fark going into the team room before the game against Lichtenstein or, or the week of the game against Lichtenstein going, 
Okay, so I've had a look at, you know, the, the recent games, reports, analysis, all that, and I've decided no Bayern Munich players allowed to play against Liechtenstein. It's not allowed. <laughs> you all struggle against them for whatever reason. You're just not allowed. Do, We're going to pick a mine starting the, 11. Do you want to know the funniest managerial appointment? Yes. Dimitri Payet is France manager. Of course he is. And Mark Excellent. Hughes is the manager of Estonia. Of course he is. Because Bradford wasn't Bloody random hell. enough. I, I tell you, this is... It's a beautiful save. It, it really is a beautiful save. I think we all need so to do that and just go through our, our football manager saves and look mm. at who's managing where. Because <laughs> the managerial appointments just get insane after about three years. I'm not against it. Uh, I, I've been playing in the background while Tam Brown has been uh, talking because I want to get to the end of the January transfer window before I do my bit. Uh, and I'm in tr I'm in deadline day at the moment, and I've been linked with a 122 million pound deal for D Borussia Dortmund starting centre back. I can't afford that. <laughs> oh. Why? Why is it suggesting that I go and sign the Belgian starting centre back off of Dortmund? For £120 million. Pounds. My my record transfer was £35 million. Pounds. So, you'll want to know what happened to our, our stars that came in during our Champions League winner. Uh, our, our, yes. our Champions League winner? Our Champions League uh, qualification. So, Paul Vanner came in. As did... Uh, and Endrick ended up returning back to Real Madrid um, after four seasons on loan with us where he averaged around about a 7.8 across four seasons fantastic signing for us um, Paul Vanner ended up leaving um, a few years later to I believe yes it was Chelsea for 15 million pounds so he made a pure 15 million pound profit on Paul Vanner which we were very 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 happy with but that wasn't by far the best deal we made. It was when we got Willy Nonto in on loan initially, and that was the same year that we signed Renier and Warren Zare Emery. In Nonto's contract, because he'd asked to leave Leeds, we managed to get a £30 million clause that if he played 20 games, he'd go permanent to us. And he did play those games, so he became permanent. Renier also joined us on a free transfer. And Warren Zare Emery joined us for 20 million. This is when we're getting the Champions League and Europa League money coming through the doors. Um, Renier only stayed for a season before we had to sell him to Juventus because he started moaning that we weren't going to sell him to Juventus. And Juventus paid 55 million for him. That wasn't the craziest summer. The craziest summer was when we sold Aurel Amenda for 22.5 million, so a 10 million pound profit, to young boys who were apparently minted at this time because they've got a new owner. I remember it coming through on my news article that they've got a, a sugar daddy. Isahaku Abdul Fatawu also left that summer in 2029 to join Arsenal for 45 million. But after two seasons with FC, sorry, three seasons with FC Verduz. Willie Nonto had scored a total of 100 goals for the club and was sold to Barcelona.
for a hundred and five million pounds. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And that allowed us to buy a load of good wonder kids that were on the next gen list in 2029. All of whom are only two years off getting Liechtenstein and nationality without getting any caps for their national team. Why? Because I keep withdrawing them from their international friendly squads like the bastard I am. <laughs> so, Warren Zare Emery was probably our best signing, I think it's very safe to say. And he did a fantastic three years, I think maybe four years with us? Three years. So we bought him in for 30 million. And he got, over the course of the next three years, he got an 8.5 average rating each season. He was just tearing it up in the centre of the park for him. Everything that was good for us was going through him. And Barcelona came back again in 2030 and said, we'll have him off your hands, and triggered his £150 million release clause. Nothing I could do, but we got £150 million in the bank for him. Ding, ding, ding. Big win. And nothing has really phased us because we're, we're so dominant in the league and we're so dominant in the cup that that's not what matters. What matters is our European performance. And the hope is that in 2033, we will be able to win the Champions League exactly 10 years after this save started. And finish. Curtain closes on my segment. Thank you very much for listening. I will document this in a, in a full blog post at some point for someone. Assuming that the intro, which may have been longer than five minutes, was five minutes long, Alex Brown has been talking for almost exactly an hour. That's impressive for me. Yeah. It's impressive for anyone. <laughs> normally it's my impressive segment for anybody. 20, normally my segment lasts about 20 minutes. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Well, I had, what I had, an odyssey that you've just weaved for us. I had round. nine seasons to get through of both club and international football, and I thought, how do I manage... For to context, I'm in season 15 of Taunton. That is, he's played over half of the Taunton save that I've been talking about since we started this podcast. Yeah. But that's because I've got a desktop computer that goes really fast and I've only got one league loaded. <laughs> That's why. Um, but my favourite part about getting this far into the future is the kind of regens you get. So uh, my current starting goalkeeper is John Conway from Bosnia. Obvious Bosnian name, of course. Yes, and the Conways of Bosnia. The Conways of Bosnia. Uh, um, but my favourite player, apart from being Lauren Klein, who is still at the club and is probably one of the best players at the club, is actually Keith Martinez, who's a Swiss international Purely because his name's Keith Martinez. It's just two opposite ends of the spectrum, really. But I'm, I, I would love to hear about Taunton, Mr. Alex Towles. Unless there are uh, any you can, questions. Well, I, I, I tell is your tactic the classic tried and tested um, one centre-back formation? No, uh, my tactic is three centre-backs, two wide centre-backs and a ball-playing defender, a defensive midfield, a deep-line playmaker and a box-to-box midfielder, two attacking midfielders and two advanced forwards and I've got green links all over the pitch wait do, wait hang on wait did you say anything about wing backs I have no wing backs I have no wingers there is no width to my team it gag and presses through the middle 
The only width Jesus my team Christ. has is wide centre backs who are on support. Oh my word! That is that's mental. It's 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 a disgusting formation, I must say. But yeah. If if you are interested in Tam Brown's one centre back formation that we went into great detail on last episode, it is now officially on FM Scout. We will link it in the description again. We've put a link in the description to the last episode. We'll put a link in the description to this episode. It's it's mental. It's crazy. I am trying to upload the photos for it, by the way. Right. For everyone who's asking. Taunton Town. I'm delaying because I'm currently my laptop's frozen trying to get through deadline day. Can I just fill this time by saying that I want to look wait, wait, at let, random let, Let's managers. go for a break before okay. we get back. Before, before we do, it's just one very small thing. We're talking about crazy managers in the game. I've just looked on the job security list thing and the first manager I saw was the Premier League Middlesbrough managed by Phil Jones. So, of course they are. <laughs> Brilliant. Let's just end on that. Yes. Yes. After that marathon of football manager podcasting, an epic monologue by Alex Tamp Brown, we needed a bit of a break. So we got a bit of a break, and now we're back to talk about Taunton, which is much less exciting. Um... It is February 2037, so I am in season 14 of this save. January transfer window has just closed, and after having played 26 games in the Premier League, Taunton are currently 9th. We were 7th, but then the teams below us played on the Monday, so they just went up ahead of us. Um, So that's annoying, that's unfortunate. Um, Where should I start? I should probably start with last season. So I think... So I've not played very much Football Manager over the last month and a bit. Um, It's been a while since we recorded. I've been quite busy. But I remember I... I think... So we had a terrible start to last season. And I think we last recorded when I was about 10 games into last season. Some, does that sound about right? It sounds about right, because you were complaining about it. Yeah, so we're in our third season of the Premier League. Last season was our second. It didn't start off great, but we managed to build ourselves back up. Um, highlights include a 100% win rate through the month of November. It was only six games, but that, only three games, but that's impressive nonetheless. Um, we also had a good stretch of form... In the end of January, start of February, we had a five-game league run of four wins and one draw. Uh, And basically those two spells of good form in amongst relegation form was good enough for us to finish comfortably mid-table in 12th. 12th place last season with 14 wins, 6 draws and 18 defeats in our 38 Premier League games finishing on 48 points which is a very, very decent improvement on the 36 points we got in our first season in the Premier League this year with 26 games played we are almost as mid-table as it is physically possible to be 
our most recent game, which was a 2-0 win at home to West Brom, has put us on 10 games won, 9 games lost, and 7 games drawn. Meaning before that game, we were on 9 games lost, 9 games won, and 7 games drawn, which is incredible, almost perfectly mid-table. Um, ninth place, and we are only 3 points off of a European spot as things stand. Man United currently hold the 7th place spot with 40 points. We are on 37 level with Chelsea, who are in 8th on goal difference. And we've actually not lost a game in January. So, transfer windows just slammed shut. Um, and we had a record through January of two draws and three wins in the league. With a draw and a win in the FA Cup. And, it, it like to be honest, we feel pretty shaky. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is something you guys have... Um, experienced in football manager but sometimes like when even when results are going your way like it's like one nils two nils one ones and it never feels like you're dominating games and when you are dominating games it doesn't really show through in the highlights so you just feel like you're feel like you're very very much scraping through Though, and that's what it feels like as at Taunton right now. Though, in theory, we we're only nine points. We're only eleven points off our total from last season, and it is the second of February. So I suppose objectively, we're doing pretty bloody well. Um, I suppose I should get onto the transfers, as that is probably the most interesting part of the save at the moment. So last season. Uh, late last episode, sorry, uh, I probably would have t spoken to you about um, Jose Manuel Ortega, the midfielder who I signed from Wolves for £34 million after Wolves went down, and he came in as immediately the best player at the club. Um, well, he's still the best player at the club, 18 months in. I had to give him a new contract to avoid him just being snapped up for, 45 mil for his £45 million Continental Club release clause. That Real, that Real Madrid were very much looking eagerly at. He did take a new contract, which he wasn't... His agent suggested he wouldn't even consider it, but then I went to try and start negotiations anyway, and he started negotiations and signed on the dotted line. So he's now got a minimum fee release clause to clubs in the UEFA Champions League of £87 million. So that is a healthy profit if he does go and... Boy, he should probably go. He's worth 81 to 106 million pounds. He's our star player and he just looks absurd. Like, basically everything you want in a midfielder. He's quick, he's strong, 20 aggression, 19 bravery, 15 in passing and vision. He can tackle just. He can. He's got 12 dribbling, 13 finishing, 13 first touch. He's just the perfect box-to-box -box midfielder. You could plonk him on a Champions League level side and he'd easily be a rotation piece for them but he's here for me running the show with seven goals and three assists in 24 Premier League appearances so far this season for a 7.16 average rating. We've also still got Ivan Janovic who you may remember was my first Wonder Kid signing 
picked him up from Oystjek in Croatia for £4.1 million. And he is now worth eighty to ninety-two million pounds at age twenty. His contract has a minimum fee release clause of eighty-five million pounds, and he is the second best player at the club. Um, just in- enjoy some of these stats: sixteen acceleration, agility, natural fitness, and pace, all at sixteen. Fifteen dribbling, fifteen acceler- anticipation. First touch, 17. 14 for passing, vision, and technique. 14 off the ball, 15 flair. This lad's 20 years old, and this is his third season on the team. He's got... He hasn't really turned it into output, particularly, to be honest. This is his best season so far. Well, well, his equal best season so far in terms of goal involvement. So in his first season, he got two goals and six assists for a 6.7 average rating. You may remember he threw hissy fits quite a lot in his first season because we were not very good uh, and he didn't enjoy being on a not very good team, so he missed training a few times. Last season, he was actually less prolific, only scoring one goal, but he got seven assists through the season. And he puts up three seven three player of the matches for a 6.93 average rating. This season, with 26 appearances, he's got one goal and eight assists, so he's already be- already doing better than last season. Uh, and already doing better. This is already his best season in terms of goals and assists combined. Four player of the matches. Only a 6.9 average rating, which speaks to the fact that when he's bad, he's bad. But when he's good, he is very, very good, Ivan Yanovich. I was playing him as a winger on attack on the left-hand side, but now I've moved him over to the right to make space for Alain Portillo who is a Spaniard who I picked up for £13 million off of Barcelona. Signing Spanish forwards off Barcelona, that's where we are with Taunton now. Uh, He came in on loan in January last season with a £13 million option to buy, and after three goals and two assists in ten appearances in the back end of last season, I took them up on it. He's now slightly less prolific, with only one goal and four assists in 20 appearances so far in the league, though only 13 have been starts, seven off the bench. Um, but he is it is very fun. He's very quick, 18 acceleration, 15 pace, 14s in your holy trifecta of striker stats, dribbling, finishing, and first touch. Uh, I'm starting him on the wing, because he's got some pretty awful traits, to be honest. He's got come deep, comes deep to get ball, which when you, I want to play him as an advanced forward, and he's got that much pace, I just want him to run. So I've stuck him out on the left wing as a winger, so he can come deep and get the ball and then drive at the opposition, if he so feels like it. And he's been, he's been very enjoyable on that side. Um, so this is just a tour of my very fun and interesting players. Um, Juan Sebastian Galliano is a player who I signed for £1.4 million just before the um, pod last time, I believe. I believe the, yeah, I signed him and then immediately loaned him back to Colombia where I got him off. Uh, and he stayed there for half a season and joined me in the January after we finished recording. He is my second best midfielder at 21. Picked him up for £1.4 million. He's now worth... 26 to 33 million pounds 
16 first touch, 18 passing, 17 technique, 16 vision. He's just a beautiful, beautiful player. I play him as, an, as a centre mid on attack, and he's got four goals and an assist so far this season in 22 appearances, which isn't amazing, but it's definitely, definitely good. This started out by me looking at my transfers because I've started, I've entered the selling club era of the save. Um, you may remember Sebastian Rivera. Do you remember Sebastian Rivera? I, I do, at least. I do. You do. He was the centre-back who could take penalties that I signed last season. Uh, not last season, the season before from sorry I'm just finding him uh, so I signed him from Universidad de Chile for 8.75 million pounds and loaned him straight back to them in the 2034-35 season uh, he then came in and was my starting centre back but wasn't great then last season again he was my starting centre back but also wasn't great getting 5 goals in 26 appearances 6.88 average rating isn't amazing but he had a £47.5 million release clause as one of the best players at the club. And Newcastle took me up on that in the summer. So my record sale, Sebastian Rivera to Newcastle for £47.5 million, which I was more than happy to sanction, given that he was actually kind of mid for a wonder kid centre-back who could take penalties. He just was never actually that great. We also sold my other centre-back, Matthias Torini, who was um, very bad at basically everything other than heading and running. He's got 17 acceleration and 15 pace, so he's incredibly quick for a centre-back. Uh, and he can head the ball, but he wasn't actually that good otherwise. So when Nottingham Forest came in and said, we will give you £15 million for this centre-back that you bought for £2.5 last summer, I said yes. Um, which meant I needed to replace both of my centre-backs. I did that by signing James Wiles off Coventry. He's 27. We don't care about him, really. He's just kind of a fine centre-back to come in and plug a gap. I also signed Rune Zinkenagel off of Copenhagen for £10 million. He's 20, and he's one of those players where he's on. he was on my scouting list for ages as someone with loads of potential. Then I bring him in, and he's only three-star current ability with three solid stars and then one grade out star of potential so maybe he's not actually that good but i brought him in for 10 million pounds and he's not been great to be honest so he is fine to sit on the bench the real star of my new back line is miguel angel jaime jamie i don't know j-a-i-m-e he's argentinian you tell me how to pronounce it i, w I would say jaime but just call him jamie I think anyone who's listened to Going Deutsch knows I shouldn't be offering advice on how to pronounce names. <laughs> you did get Marvin Ducks in the end. I'm very proud of you. Um, but uh... Jamie came in from Argentinos Juniors. Um, I probably was raving about him on the last episode because I signed him in that summer and then loaned him back to the... Wait, no. I'm telling a lie. Um, he was... A, I, he came in... In 2034-35, so our promotion season, and they loaned him straight back to Argentinos Juniors, and then, but he was loaned back to Argentinos Juniors for a season and a half, so I didn't actually get access to him until the back end of the 2035-36 season, and he's been very good. 
Um, I bought him thinking he'd be a defensive midfielder because that's what he came to me as, and that's still what he shows up in as a natural as. But he's really good at tackling, and he's got good heading, and he's got good strength, and he can't really pass. He's only got 10 passing, even though he's got 15 vision. So I've just stuck him at centre-back, and he's been obscene at centre-back for me. I mean, he's only got a 6.77 average rating, but a 6.77 average rating is more than good enough. It's my He's my best centre-back at the moment, and I'm very happy with him. Um, the other big sale I made last summer was I sold Joe Hurley. Um, I, I can't remember if Joe Hurley's got a mention on the pod, but Joe Hurley was basically Taunton's answer to... Uh, Hugo Lloris in that he was five foot ten, but an incredible shot stopper. I got him for, did I get him for free? Yeah, I got him for free off Man United when his Man United contract expired when we were in the Championship, and he was my starting goalkeeper for four seasons. Then Crystal Palace, at the end of last year, offered me twenty million pounds, rising to twenty three million pounds, and I said, you know what? Yeah, you can have him for twenty three million pounds, my five foot ten goalkeeper. And I did kinda of regret it when he went over there and his value immediately jumped to thirty to forty five million pounds. But what can you do? Um what can I do? I can turn around and spend the money on a wonder good goalkeeper from Sporting Lisbon. Mamadou Darbo is at twenty one. I signed him for twelve and a half million pounds. He was Sporting Lisbon's starting goalkeeper last season, conceding less than a goal a game for them as they won the Portuguese Premier League last season. And for some reason, for some stupid reason, they let me take him off their hands for £12.5 million. So I did! Uh, And he's been comfortably, comfortably uh, one of my favourite signings that I've made so far. 7.0 average rating, 8 clean sheets from 26 Premier League games, only conceded 31 goals, which is a borderline miracle, given that I replaced both of my centre-backs. Um, it's just, he's really great. That is pretty much the tour of everyone. Other names to mention, um, Aaron McLaughlin, who I signed when we first came up, has been proving that he's just, like, solidly Premier League standard. He's 25 now, I'm not going to sell him for a profit or anything. But he is just, he's going to be a stalwart of the side, I can tell. Um... Nigel Hughes-Jones. Do, have I mentioned Nigel Hughes-Jones before? Is that a name that rings a bell? You you mentioned him when discussing, I think, your, your new... Yeah, I think you've title. mentioned him off the pod. Ah, I mentioned him off the pod. Uh, so Nigel Hughes-Jones is my current starting striker. Um, you will all remember Sam Barzi, my all-time record goal scorer. Um, well, he started the season terribly, uh, so he got dropped. this season uh, and replaced by Nigel Hughes-Jones who I picked up last year from Man United for £8 million so I think he might have got a small mention in last episode because I picked him up um, in in the summer of 2035 which is before we recorded the last episode he scored 9 goals in 22 Premier League games last season he's currently working at exactly half a goal a game, 12 goals from 24 appearances in the Premier League so far this year um, he is as good as Sam Barzi with potential to improve whereas Sam Barzi is now 26 and so has no potential to improve 
and unfortunately, Sampazi's value has dropped off a cliff. I could have sold him for 25 million quid last summer, and now he's worth 8.2 to 9.8, which is a real shame, but it is what it is. Um, Gee whiz, that's a that's a drop off. That, that that's the kind of drop off that you get. Where like so so the inflated value came from being a fourteen goal like a proven ten plus goal a season Premier League striker. We got eleven in our first season, fourteen in our second season. Uh, but then when you're not playing for a side that's got three star reputation, even in the Premier League, your value is going to go off a cliff, and that is what happened. Oh, I know my last name I need to mention. Michael Stickland. Club hero, Michael Stickland. He was with us for 10 years. Notice this was in the past tense. He is the one and only player who I've been able to give a testimonial to. He got his testimonial in the summer, in his 10th season. uh, The summer of his 10th season with us. After signing for us on a free in our... But ahead of our winning season of the Vanorama National League. He joined us in the National League. He came with us all the way through to the Premier League. Played 26 games in our first Premier League season. So let me just check. He's essentially Pelly Budokampanzu. He's Pelly Budokampanzu. If Pelly Budokampanzu was a centre-back. <laughs> and... Nice. Mm. Pelly Budokampanzu is in everything. He, he is. Unfortunately, yeah. unlike Petty he Lodicum, Pansel, Lodicum, he's not Pansel. actually good enough to play any minutes for us anymore. Um, uh. So, last season he only made seven appearances with a pretty terrible 6.4 average rating. Um, then, so I gave him his um, gave him his testimonial, then sent him to Peterborough, where he played. He 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 went to Peterborough in the Championship on loan. Um, he was showing up in my like reports as a League 2 quality player while he was still on my books. And Peterborough took him for five months and said he'd be a important player in the championship. So clearly he has a reputation that was ahead of his ability. They did play him 15 times, but he wasn't very good. Uh, and then I've let him go on a free to Forest Green in League 2 in For- January. He's Forest got- Green Rovers! He's gone to Forest, Forest- Green. Murderers get less. <laughs> uh, he is our all-time record appearance holder with 335 appearances for the club. 335 appearances, and you get sent to Forest Green. What sort of respect hey, is Forest that? Green, wrong with Forest Green. He had, he had offers Lovely from multiple clubs. Forest Green, Green was the contract that he signed, but... He was and a one really and a half star potential player, <laughs> and I just, I just, I let him go. When you love a player, you let him go. I didn't want him to just when rot you... on my bench and then go on a free when you after love... six months. When, when you so love I a let player, him go. You don't let them go to Forest Green. <laughs> I let them go to Forest Green if he wants to go to Forest Green. I send players to Forest Green when they miss training sessions or they go AWOL. Right, that's where <laughs> I send them. I don't, I don't send favourites. I don't send club favourites. I can't imagine why you've got this opinion of Forest Green. Hey, <laughs> I've also become like begun farming wonder kids. So I've got um, Luciano Albajaria, who I signed from Brazil for eleven point two five million pounds, and then immediately loaned to Hamburg, where he has got two goals and an assist in eighteen appearances in the Bundesliga. So uh, Hamburg are back in the Bundesliga in 15 times. There you are, Hamburg fans. 
Well, that's not very realistic. <laughs> well, I don't know, we'll see. Close to being realistic earlier today, and yeah. then Heidenheim. And then Heidenheim. Anyway, so we have the lowest average age in the Premier League, with 24.5 years. Um, we have the smallest squad in the Premier League. I've only played 24 players in the Premier League, which is the lowest number. Um, we, have made, we are on a profit for transfers this season. I've got £60 million in the bank, but I'm not spending it because I'm a responsible, responsible man who um, saves his money. Uh, and we're slowly but surely improving the club facilities. Um, we've got Exeter City, who are for some reason in the Vanarama National, Vanarama National League South now as an affiliate club. Um, so that's great fun. Um, yeah, we just... We've done well. We've done well. Um, this is like if we, if we finish in Europe in the European spaces, that's a massive overachievement. But basically, I I like where I'm at in the save is we're in the middle of about three or four years of finishing mid table, while I use the Premier League money and the money from selling Wonder Kids to get the um facilities up to actually decent standard and then when we've got actually decent facilities we've already got the best staff in the league because as we all appreciate getting the best staff in the league is a piece of piss in football manager um but like when we've got the actual facilities to compete then we'll push on to try and get in to try and like get into europe try and win the league title and probably winning the premier league will be the end for this save i'm not sure i've got enough time left to get the champions league but I'm in a couple seasons of probably mid-table mediocrity. Um, we're on course for top half this season, but like, yeah, well, no, we're on course for top half this season easily. So that's good. Any questions? I, I always ask this every episode: Is my boy Nick McCooty still still doing well? Still progressing? Well, you didn't coach? like him. He became the Forest Green manager. He is Nick McCooty is currently the manager of Birmingham City. Yeah, but wasn't he the Forest Screen manager at one point? He was yeah, a bit. You know, everyone has a rebellious spell, Alex. You know, forgiveness, forgiveness. <laughs> I know I said I know I said he was dead to me at the end of the last episode, but no, I, I want forgiveness for Nick McCooty. He's realised the error. Jesus Christ! But, yeah, I, I, I've gone uh, tactics-wise. I've gone back to the tried and trusted four-three-three because we're now good enough that for. When we're playing against anyone about as good enough, about as good as us or worse, the four three three is fine. Like we're not getting battered every week. Um, we do get battered every time we play the top six, but that's by the by. Um, oh, that's something to mention. Last season we did the double over Manchester City. We got we took six points off Man City in the league last season um, by absolutely doing them dirty with my disgusting counter attacking tactic. Um, we beat them 4-3 at home and away we beat them 2-0 so that was fun um, they did however take revenge on us for that this season beating us 2-0 at home and if I remember rightly they absolutely smushed us which is my fault I didn't play the proven tried and tested beat Man City tactic uh, because I was feeling overconfident but uh it's what it is. You, you girl boss. I did girl boss too close to the sun. But after after a January where we haven't lost a game, um, I am feeling pretty bullish about our chances. 
So we'll see how this carries us forward. Uh, in the FA Cup fourth round, we got Norwich. So we, hopefully we can get through that and maybe have a deep cup run. Yeah, it's just a comfortable season. This is a comfortable season at Taunton. Fair enough. I I, I like I like to right. see that you're kind of you're you're incrementally like going on. Mm. I, I quite like that. You know, feels normal compared to Tamp Browns. <laughs> Look, mm. and any money that I got in, I spent on my my youth academy, and my youth that. academy has provided me with at least one brilliant young player per year. Luckily enough, yeah, and then think- I've just kidnapped Swiss people. I am scared to spend the money is the problem. Like, I've got 60 million quid in the bank, like, in the transfer budget, technically, but there's only 28 million in the club's bank, so if I spent all the money, then the club would be 30 million quid in debt, and then they'd say no when I asked to improve the facilities. So I'm not spending the money so that they don't say no when I ask to improve the facilities. No, no, that's that's a very sensible way to kind of go about it, Mm. to be fair. I, I did see a, a, I, I told the lads before about this beforehand, which is why they'd heard the name my, Nigel Hughes-Jones before. But there was a £25 million worth four-star Brazilian striker that I could have picked up in the January window just gone that I decided against doing so. I'm not sure if I'll regret that. Probably. But I, I have faith in Nigel Hughes-Jones. Big big faith towards Nigel and the Hughes-Jones family. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much taking my sign players to sell for a profit board objective seriously. I'm not just like the, the, you're not going to catch me. I'm not going to sign a player for fifty million quid unless I think I can spin them for a hundred. That's fair enough. I think there's there's only a few players that you can really do that with, and you've got to really get them at the the start of their career when mm. they're established anyway. Yeah, but you can still improve them. Or- Ortega is one of those like. Like with so Wolves went down in 2034-35 which is why I was able to get Ortega for 34 million pounds and I like obviously I can't like show you a screenshot of his stats over the medium of podcast but this lad this lad should be on a championship Champions League team like oh my word he's mental he's so so good 21 years old 21 years old, 7.16 average rating from box-to-box midfield. Crazy. That's some, that's, that is something else, isn't it? I, th- I think you see it with FM this year, of central midfielders are very underloved if they are not the main creative force in your team. Unless they're getting assists once every two games, then they're not going to get a, a higher than an eight. Yeah, so like my... um. For the longest time, the box-to-box midfielder in the midfield three that I've had has been um, like a workhorse player who's been getting like consistent 6.9s. And that's what I signed Ortega as. It's just that Ortega is just so unbelievably good that he's getting the match ratings consistently. I think the only other time my box-to-box midfielder has picked up any decent ratings is when I had Jordan Shipley there. Um, so Jordan Shipley is a player that would be... A, a name familiar to fans of lower league football in the in England, currently playing for Shrewsbury, I believe he plays like an attacking midfielder or a left midfielder for them at the moment. But about ten seasons deep deep in this save, mm, not that much. Well, 
seven or eight seasons deep in this save, I had a 31-year-old Jordan Shipley as my box-to-box midfielder in my League One winning season. And he got a ridiculous number of goal contributions because he could pass and he could shoot even if, even if he could do basically nothing else. Um, he got six goals and like something like 14 assists because he was very good at... He, he's retired now, so I can't look at his exact stats, unfortunately. But he got a 7.09 average rating from midfield. As like when he couldn't run when I had him, so uh, he definitely, definitely couldn't run the next season when his physicals had gone down. Um, so I let him go after his year, just creating goal after goal after goal for me, like scoring free kicks, assisting from corners. Actually, no, this, this is probably the best way I can put this. Uh, in the 2029-30 season, when I had Jordan Shipley. Both my starting centre-backs, Stickland and Zane Mon-Lewis, both got seven goals. They got seven goals each. That's how good we were from corners that season. So that also tells you that this was before they nerfed corners. Anyway, I I think I'm just about done with Taunton. Like, there's not much else to say. Um, 355 appearances for Michael Stickland while I'm looking at my best 11. So... That's that's a legendary number of appearances. He is the only player on the legends lists for Taunton alongside me. 75 goals for Sam Barzi as well. So 25 more and he gets to 100. I don't know Hopefully if we make it to Hopefully be honest. He does. I feel quite bad. Hopefully he does. But I've not got very much faith in him. He's 26. He's three stars current ability. And he's got two goals from 13 appearances with a 6.58 average rating so far this season. Thanks for listening to part one of episode eight of A Thousand Hours. Make sure you listen to part two to find out what Woodward's been getting up to. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at A Thousand Hours FM. Feel free to at us or send us a message if you have any questions you want answering on the show. See you next time. Cheers.